Welcome to Josh's Worst Nightmare Oddcast presented by Denver Horror Collective. I'm your host, author Josh Schlossberg, author of Moline and the forthcoming Charwood. I'm now pitching my books in my intro. Surveying the dark landscape of biological horror fiction. For this episode, we're being consumed by Rebecca Rowland. Rebecca Rowland is the dark fiction author of two fiction collections, one novel and a handful of novellas, and too many short stories. She is a curator of seven horror anthologies, including the brand new that we're going to talk about on this episode, American Cannibal. Her speculative fiction, critical essays, and book reviews regularly appear in a variety of online and print venues. Rebecca co-owns and manages a small independent publishing house, Maynard Press. Welcome to my nightmare, Rebecca. Uh, thank you for having me, Josh. I, I've been a fan of this podcast for a long time, so this is super cool. Great. Well, I have have at least one fan. That's great to know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we, we've been in touch for a while. We've we've uh, been communicating for a while on different stuff, and uh, yeah, this this new American Cannibal stuff, pretty exciting. Thought, of course, that's a perfect topic, and somehow have not covered cannibalism so yeah for folks who uh aren't aware on josh's worst nightmare i invite on horror authors to talk about an aspect of biological horror which i define broadly as living creatures and vital processes somehow relevant to their writing their projects and yeah so we're going to talk about cannibalism and related eating disorders if we want to yes call yes. it that <laughs> so tell us about American Cannibal and why you would create such a horrible thing is that? <laughs> oh gosh. I mean, I, and I was never a huge fan of sort of that trope, although um, I've definitely read more than my share over the past year. Um, so it was just, I was, I was trying to think of a, a new theme for a new anthology and, and this came up and at first it seemed kind of bananas and bonkers. And then uh, the more that I thought about it, the cooler it seemed, kind of tying it to American history and and this idea of reinventing um, some of the things that have happened in the past, but adding in this kind of special seasoning, I guess, um, of cannibalism. So it came together. It came together a thousand times better than I could have ever dreamt. And um, yeah, it's... Uh, and. And I have to say that now I notice more and more shows, movies, things like that, that sort of feature cannibalism that are out there. I don't know if this is just, I'm, I just happen to climb onto the wave at the right moment. Um, but I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Yellow Jackets. I don't know if you've seen the show on, on Showtime, but it's, it's kind of like a, uh, that show Lost, but um, with cannibalism <laughs> in there. And um it's fantastic. I think it's really the only show that I that I make sure that I watch. I'm not a huge TV person, but that it's it's fascinating and gross and and yeah, I guess I'm into it. I'm into it. That's very cool. Yeah. Well, you said something that sort of sparked my imagination. Well, so I have some familiarity with cannibalism, not personally, but <laughs> Denver Horror Collective put out something called Consumed Tales Inspired by the Wendigo. So that was edited by Henry yeah. and Holly Snyder. And that mm -hmm. was about the 
the Wendigo, well, basically stories based loosely around the Algonquin oral tradition of the Wendigo, which is kind of a creature living in the forest. And there are lots of cannibalistic themes tied into Wendigo. So there's definitely a long storied history in North America. I mean, of course, probably all around the world, but it's it seems like North America is often the place for that. I don't yeah. know if you have any thoughts about like the history of of cannibalism or anything like that. Well, I mean, I can, first of all, I've read that anthology, by the way, because my my writing partner, Michael Aloisi, has a, has a story in there. And right. so I had picked it up and I know that the intro was written by Al going back. Right. Um, and he's kind of the authority on the Wendigo myth, right? And so um, I, what I do know about cannibalism, at least in America, before, before sort of doing more research on it initially it was just it was limited to the sort of wendigo myth right that came from the algonquin and and, and the cree tribes and but also just this of course everyone knows the story of the donner party right mm -hmm. and um sort of this idea of westward expansion and and you know food is just not we take it for granted i think today you know we never have to resort to cannibalism but if you're you know, in a brand new country, brand new space, um, you don't have the resources, well, you know, it's, it's, I guess you have to survive somehow. So, so those sort of things I was familiar with. Um, Owl is definitely much more versed on, on the history and, and also sure. the myths that are associated. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one that comes to mind is also Alfred Packer. So that's in Colorado where I'm living and the South Park guys did a musical about it, as absurd as that seems, it was pretty amusing. <laughs> yeah. So it's been in the zeitgeist and it's happened, of course, in what was that, the 90s, the movie Alive? Correct, of yeah. The soccer, the soccer players, right. In the Andes, I think it was, right, in South America Correct. or something, they crashed. Yeah. And yeah. They, they ate each other's butts or something like that and i mean technically the, the people were already dead i feel like it's not i guess <laughs> i feel like if there's a there's so many different levels of cannibalism there's like the <laughs> okay well we're, now we're going to we're all starving and we're going to wait to see who falls asleep first <laughs> and i guess you're going to be dinner if it's you and then it's the you know we're in this tragedy uh, these people have been dead they've been lying there you know, for days and days and days, and essentially their their meat. It's really difficult for me to sort of rationalize that as a vegetarian. I mean, it's it's a couple of steps that I really have to take, but um, I get it. You know, I, you got to do what you're going to do. I, 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 you know, I, I get it. I get it. Well, that's really interesting that as a vegetarian, you chose to put this together. I guess you have more of a natural and somebody who has been vegetarian I, i'm currently not but i was vegetarian for 20 years i was vegan oh. for a little bit too um and i do limit my my meat intake for sure and so there is something just ghastly about consuming flesh i mean one can argue there's a natural element to it there's some unnatural elements these days uh, for sure but so you're somebody who just the the flesh taste and the, the flesh idea is, is probably more loath loathsome than to others. So that would sort of lend you naturally to, to this sort of endeavor. I think so. I think that the whole idea, I mean, I, I'm not a vegetarian for health reasons. I got to be, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I 
that's that's the I don't think about that at all it's more of just all my life I've never liked the consistency of of meat even when I was really little um you know my parents would be horrified because they would you know cook a steak and I would just drown it in ketchup I could not I just I wanted to get the taste out of my mouth so the idea of of human flesh I I guess I just maybe on the flip side is I don't really see it as being that different than Mm. consuming a cow or a chicken or you know anything else that's sort of breathing at one point yeah well I think they call it long pig I think is Um, I don't know if you've heard that term that's I forget where that comes from but that's a euphemism for eating humans. Yeah, and <laughs> so I've I've visited a cadaver lab um, a few years ago, and I have to say, I know that everyone says that human flesh is very similar to to pig flesh, but I I would equate it to chicken, having seen them uh, dissect uh, some of the um, the cadaver bodies and seeing how they sort of came apart and the consistency of the layers and things. It looked a lot, for me, it looked a lot like dark meat chicken to me. So I'm just gonna put that out there. Interesting, for, the, the, for, the for our fan. remaining three listeners at this point. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's. I mean, that's the heart of biological horror. It's like accepting our connection to the earthly plane and flesh and all that stuff. So no, that is actually really interesting to me. And I think as a horror, writer or authors and editors we need to know this stuff so that's 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 good and yeah no i I think it's really not that different eating a a human we're not obviously advocating for for cannibalism here but (laughs) there, there are gray areas and uh you know i think it's a spectrum like a lot of things and yes we i i will state on this podcast that i more strongly disapprove of eating humans than I do of animals. But, you know, as an environmentalist and environmental organizer for a long time, there's a lot of environmental benefits to that. But yeah, but I don't want to go into that too much more. But you brought up an interesting thing, the idea of uh, a predatory cannibal versus a scavenger cannibal. So like if you murder somebody to eat them, bad if you're like hey i i haven't been snacking for a while and there's a dead person cool in your opinion (laughs) i think there's they're very very different realms and i actually think that that's why we find cannibalism so frightening is because you know with every other type of horror there is us and then there is the other whether it's something supernatural a ghost you know a demon whatever or if it's even the other being a, a serial killer, someone that we find has has decided to leave our our group, right? Our agreed upon rules. But with cannibalism, it becomes this: there is no sort of line. You know, it's it's like you and I go camping, Josh, and we get lost, and it's weeks and weeks and weeks, and all of a sudden, I'm no longer afraid of bears now i'm afraid because i know that you are starving yeah. and 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 we have sharp weapons you know that's it it just becomes i think it's a different level of fear because it's it's we can no longer say oh it's you know i can escape this or this is something i can close my eyes and it won't be there anymore i mean we we live among each other and 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 who knows you know who could who could turn on you next yeah. I mean, 
people murder people all the time and they do it for to get stuff or for their own benefit or resources but this is the most primal form this is i would almost say the least selfish form of murder why am i saying this but i'm hungry i'm about to die it's you or me you know so that is a really frightening kind of thing versus like i'm jealous of you or I think you're an ass and I'm going to, you know, kill you now though. Those are less likely, let, let's put it this way. I think fewer people would succumb to that, but what percentage of people would actually succumb to I'm starving and I need to eat. So that right. might be part of the, the primordial fear involved with the whole thing. Right. Right. And then there's also just looking at literature. I just finished a piece, a book that was written in the, the mid-80s by Eric Higgs. It's called The Happy Man. And it's it's sort of this bizarre, it, it feels very kind of yuppie, just lifestyle kind of story where, you know, these, these new neighbors move in and the narrator's talking about how, oh, they're really interesting and they kind of have these weird wild parties and, um, the debauchery kind of starts to escalate. And then at one point he finds out, I mean, they like to push the envelope. They like to just push, push, push. And once they've sort of overcome something, they want to, they want more, they want more, they want more. And so they've actually now graduated to, um, you know, seducing people and then um, eating them. So they've actually gone to a different level. They're not starving at all. They're very well off. It's just they're bored. And I think that, I mean, I think Higgs probably wrote it as a commentary on the 1980s excess, maybe. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's still sort of this frightening, you know, maybe you're not starving, but maybe you're really jonesing for, (laughs) I don't know, something new. And now I'm, you know, dinner. Yeah. Well, I do want to get into the symbolism of that more in a second but a couple other things i think worth mentioning of course we have to mention silence of the lambs right hannibal the cannibal the book by thomas harris which i actually have not read i've only seen the film but i would say so far as cannibals in fiction or literature that probably looms the largest would you say at least in the u.s Absolutely. Um, I mean, he's, he's, yeah, he's the the touchstone, I think, for, for American cannibal right there. Um, yeah, but I, I, yeah, I mean, so many new pieces have come on the scene. I know that Alma Katsu did the piece, Hung, The Hunger, um, which was essentially about westward expansion, but she, rather than explaining it the way that we know it, as through the history books, she takes a completely different direction with it, which I thought was really smart. Um, and then we have the splatter writers, you know, like Rath, James White, who are talking about, you know, these serial killers or people that are doing it just just for pleasure. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Thomas Harris is he's he's the where we we where we'd start for sure. For sure. Yeah, Rath James White actually has a story in consumed tales inspired by the wendigo also so yeah yeah Yeah, the splatter world yeah so there's like the gross out aspect of it of course but then there is a a symbolic thing but before getting into that just to cover a little more of the the bio horror stuff so since you're i would say a connoisseur of this uh (laughs) what would you say is the best part of the human to eat like 
you know, this is unfortunate. They're, they're dead. Mm -hmm. You're hungry. You know, you don't feel like walking out, whatever you you need to eat. Right. So where do you go first? Just for like, to make this practical, practical podcast for people. Yeah. I mean, I would say we're going to, we have to go for the thigh, right? Because it's, it's got the most amount of meat. Um, Yeah. I mean, I'm not a big fan of gnawing on bones, so I would probably avoid the arms and the fingers and you're really just, you're exerting a lot of energy for very little payoff, I feel like, in those areas. So, yeah, I would say the the thigh. What, what would you say? Yeah, I mean, the thigh and the buttocks, probably. Now, yeah. just so folks getting any idea, so I'm, like, pretty lean and rangy, so I'm not <laughs> good eating. So, don't uh, don't even consider me. But, yeah, I would say that is... Uh, that's probably what you want to do. And that's, that is that thing. You start thinking of humans as the way we do just very casually with animals. And you realize how quickly that slippery slope of grizzliness can get, right? Cause we have right. chops. We have like, I've seen things where it's kind of like, you know, whatever you break down the ribs, you, the, the hawk, the different parts of the animal, and then you could do it for a human. Like we don't typically say that like nice, hawks right but it's all <laughs> right. the same and we're we're the same we're the same flesh i mean you know again i'm not trying to make this a moral thing but the, the reality is you know we are all animals and and i think that's kind of the horror of this it's the reminder that we are we are animals too you know and we're there's a brutality to us i mean even even vegetarianism i'd, I'd be the first to say as an environmentalist you know there, there's still great impacts on the natural world and, and, you know, habitat for animals and, and killing of pests. So there's no purity in this world. There's just none, but you, there right. are definitely scales, I would say of impact and, and not eating meat is way less impactful. No, no question about that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So what else do you think, because what we're doing is we're getting this new trend, like you say, of cannibalism. So the Jeffrey Dahmer film right. that came out lately. And so what do you think it might be behind that? I mean, I, I am curious to know, because if you look at trends in horror, they often do kind of run alongside whatever's going on politically in the world. I mean, if you look at, you know, we have this sort of rise in, in the, the, the baseless slasher, right, in the early, the late 70s, early 80s. Um, and what is that about? Is that sort of late Cold War fear? Like what, you know, hmm. we have the 90s, we have this sort of new wave of, of horror coming out. And is that, you know, after 9-11? Um, and also, I think, with all of the social movements, right, who have, that have sort of risen in the last 20 years, we have a very different type of horror that's coming out. And I think that that's a product of what's going on in the world cannibalism i don't know i don't know if we're maybe i mean if i were to stretch maybe metaphorically we feel like we are turning on each other um especially in a time of you know post-pandemic um and we also have this social media that is just full of i hate to say vitriol and and just these sort of mass bullying and that goes on there are we kind of cannibalizing ourselves and this is how we're getting out the anxiety through art? I don't know. I don't know, but it's, 
it's possible. I mean, I, I, there's definitely a reason. There's a, there's a method to the madness, I think, with, with trends in horror. Um, I'm just not quite sure what it is. Yeah, it's funny because I hadn't thought a lot about this, but I just wrote down in my notes just a few minutes ago, pretty much exactly what you just said. So like, I wonder if it's symbolic and a lot of this stuff is unconscious, of course, right? And maybe it's just arbitrary too, but eating one another. So destroying that which is the other, you know, and that can be, you know, we we often think of kind of uh, like historical oppression for sure, but it can occur in lots of different formats as we see uh, on social media, but it's like making people the other, making them lesser, making them subhuman. So why not just consume them? Why not just, and what is consumption? And I'm just spitballing, make this up as I'm going along here. So not only, it's not just killing them, right? That's, that's one thing like, yes, we, we, we hate the other, we destroy them. This is like taking what they are into you to nourish yourself. So I don't know what the hell that would refer to, but. Or taking a piece of the other person, destroying them and then essentially owning it. Right. And now it becomes part of your own cells really, because it's, it's going to build your own, your own body. So yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, certainly there are cultures and religions that that use this sort of idea of eating flesh and 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 blood from from other people as as part of a, like a sacrament what is that about i don't know i don't know i don't know if it's a power dynamic i don't know if it's a it's a way to kind of share and, and make a connection um but it's definitely going to be if it's something with horror it's going to be something a little more um in, insidious i think for sure for sure well, it's funny you mentioned something that i also just wrote down in the notes but first yeah the it's not a good idea to eat other people and nature has made punishments for it so mad cow disease likely came from feeding cows to cows so these prions yeah. which are frankly one of the most horrifying things i can think of they're not even they don't even know if they're alive they're not they're not even like viruses they're just like these fucking things and yeah. there's they act like they're alive and so that's what mad cow disease is and there's something called Jakob Kurtzfeld which is the human version of that and you can get that from like some cannibal societies have gotten that from eating one another and in th- those societies it was it is a a power thing it's like i'm going to take the power of that person into me but you mentioned I think you might even literally even use this term because this is the term I wrote down before you said it too. So we're on the same wavelength. Yeah. Wavelength, intimate. It's an. It's like the most intimate act. I mean, it, it's not like right. sexual. Like sexual could be you know bringing things into you or or going into somebody else. Right. There's a weird thing of that. Like it's the yeah. closest you can you can get to another person. Right. Right. And once again, listeners, we're not advocating. for. Actually, I've changed my mind. I am now officially (laughs) advocating for. I'm on the fence. I got to say I'm on the fence. No, I, I, yeah, for sure. It's definitely the most intimate thing I think that you could do is to consume another person. Um, Yeah. And, and symbolically, yeah, yeah. It is sort of like another level of, of, of sexual content. I mean, I think that that's like I had mentioned with, with the, the Higgs book. I mean, that's, that was sort of their next level. You know, they were already having these sort of key parties. They were bringing all these strangers into their homes and, 
and that wasn't enough for them. And they decided, well, no, this is the next level, you know? So it was sort of beyond, beyond sex. Right. Yeah. yeah. And the, like the, the dangerous game, the most ultimate prize, there's some short story I read a long time ago that it was about these, uh, I, I forget what the term is, but like the food aficionados and they get more and more bored. So of course they have to lead eventually towards eating parts of human stuff, right? right. natural yeah. progression of stuff. Yeah. But unless you have more to say about cannibalism, I thought maybe we could go into Haika, which I don't yes. know much about. Yes, yes, because um, I have a novella coming out uh, just in a couple of weeks, actually, less than, less than two weeks from today. It's in a charity anthology that Holly Ray Garcia put together to benefit Texas food banks. And my novella is titled Rock of Ages, and it's in the collection Table for Three, which will be out. 100% of the proceeds go to to food banks. So um, please keep that in mind. But mine, it starts with um, the narrator talking about her, her stepmother who consumes rocks. Literally, like it starts off with just a couple of pebbles and then it progresses almost to like a bizarro level where she's going around the neighborhood and just taking landscaping rocks from various people's yards and and eating them, you know, her husband is is completely clueless, doesn't understand why they're having all of these issues with their plumbing, um, because she's just consuming rock after rock after rock. You know, he's trying to unplug the the toilet, which has now been stopped up for obvious reasons. And um, you know, she's in the other room, kind of scooping the gravel out of the the fish aquarium and consuming that. And it's. It's just, I have it set up so that, you know, she has this form of, of pica, which I find to be a really fascinating disorder because, um, so pica is any consumption of something that's, that's not food, this compulsion to, to eat things like uh, clay or rocks or paper or hair, um, where it's just this, just, you just need to do it. And it often causes some real biological issues, obviously, if you're putting things in your body that your body can't break down or can be dangerous. In some cases, it can be caused by um, like a mineral deficiency, right? If someone is in need of iron, the, the body is driving them to kind of seek out that mineral um, in places that, that aren't food. But other times it's a psychological cause and they're not quite sure what 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 is um you know pushing the person to do that so i i just find it fascinating in that morbid sense of you know there but by the grace of god, god go i that i'm not outside kind of digging in my backyard to to you know find something to to eat that's not that's that's not food you know um but yes yeah, so that's that's in table for three and and what i mean what do you know about pica what have you heard and very little. I mean, yeah. I've first thing I thought of is pica, which is like a mountain rodent. It's like, like <laughs> a marmot little thing is, is a pica, but that's different. So, but yeah, my, I have heard of things where people will eat the stuffing of sofas, like just yeah. pull that out. And I mean, yeah. I guess I can see some odd appeal. I mean, clearly I'm not susceptible to that stuff, but texturally, but my thoughts on this just based on 
knowing nothing is that I like to go, even though I'm whatever, I write biological horror, that's just sort of like a, a niche I put myself into. But I do think all the time about the symbolic allegory aspect. And that's probably actually drives my writing a lot more. I'll see a biological thing. And I'm like, okay, what is the meaning of this? Or uh, something that is an issue. And then I'm like, all right, how does this tie into like physical biology? But so in my mind, I think about how eating these days for pretty much all of us has become almost separate from nutrition. A lot of times, like you used to eat, it was fuel to keep you going. Now, I mean, we do it as an addiction. We do it to relieve anxiety, boredom, just for taste stuff. And it's never enough. So it would seem like the natural progression from eating Cheetos would be sofa stuffing. You might as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess if the sofa is salty enough, I don't, I mean, I don't know, I guess. Cause yeah, I, what you're saying makes sense because you're eating Cheetos. What exactly are you getting out of that? You're maybe some simple sugars that you could break down. Right. You know, if you want to go for a quick sprint, I don't know, but that's, otherwise it's just junk it's 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 the same really as as eating your sofa and once again listeners we're not advocating that you eat your sofa either or your neighbor but um yeah it's it's that well, yeah what you're saying makes sense i guess maybe it's not as bizarre as as i think it is um because especially as americans we're awful in what we put in our bodies and um fast food and I, I could just go on and on with that because I as someone that my my day job is uh as I teach in an urban high school and I'm always talking to my kids you know about you know don't don't eat fast food don't eat it I get it that it's I get it it's quote fast I get that it's easy um but your body it's it's the most precious thing that you'll ever own right in your life and so take care of it don't put this kind of junk into it don't drink all of this sugar it's just so I get it yeah and I guess maybe I should add and don't <laughs> don't eat your couch stuffing either I guess no but if you do we're not going to judge you but <laughs> well something I just looked up here and the first thing that did occur to me was pregnancy there's that craving oh pickles and ice cream or whatever the hell and that's probably nutrient deficiency or just who knows what but apparently it is more common with people who are pregnant so that's interesting right. yeah because especially if they if they because now your body is is supporting an additional life force right and they that that you know being is going to need you know the nutrition that maybe you're not maybe already you're not getting enough for your own body and now it's either they're going to siphon it from your body your bones which i know does happen um, with some things like calcium and so forth but um you have to find it somewhere and maybe if the body just goes into maybe panic mode and just says look look you know uh, this mineral is is here and it's in this clay that's that's outside your house and that's the fastest way and so you know, maybe it just drives drives the woman to do that, um, which is frightening. It's definitely frightening, but um, yeah, I, I. But as far as why it affects people who are not pregnant, I I don't know. I don't right. know. Yeah, the pregnancy thing. So, the thought that occurred to my horror writer mind is, so 
pregnancy is a kind of cannibalism, like for a little while, at least, I mean, people liken it to parasites and obviously I'm not against babies, but (laughs) you know, if you're going to go in that direction, so it's cannibalizing the mother to a little bit, to a certain degree. It's happening. Absolutely. They're they're using the nutrients, uh, no question. So my thought is that then the mother is like, well, I need to, normal food is not enough. This thing is eating me alive. And so like, I better toss some rocks in there. I don't know. Or maybe (laughs) who knows what's going on with that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, For non-pregnant. I mean, I wonder if it is mouth, the mouth sensations. I mean, there's certainly not much with the nutrition. It's, it's the texture. We are very textural. And the reason why potato chips are so popular is because of the air bubbles that make all the explosions. And of course there is taste, but yeah, the, the taste. So we think of sugar, salt, fat, but that ain't what's going on with pica. Cause that stuff probably all tastes like shit. So, right, right. and we don't have to talk about that particular topic, but, <laughs> but yeah, so it's gotta be the texture. It's just, it's gotta be textural, right? Or if it's just, maybe it's this, even just looking at eating disorders like overeating or um, bulimia and this sort of this this uh, compulsion to fill up this hole, right? Whatever it is inside by stuffing it full of food and, and this whole idea of just consuming, consuming, consuming. And it's not even about the texture anymore. It's just about getting it inside. And so maybe pica is part of that as well, but it's it's very, maybe it's more focused than an overeating disorder or bulimia. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, and it's funny because when I did do some background research on, on pica, it's not classified as an eating disorder per se, okay. right? So we have these eating disorders and they're, they're, they're very much psychological. They're very much like a psychosomatic sort of disorder whereas pica i don't think that they're quite sure what's going on besides that sort of mineral deficiency that happens in some cases in other cases it's people are consuming you know hair there is a very specific type of pica where um uh, people who will pull out their own hair and consume that and that you know that has nothing to do with with mineral deficiency or Mm. anything like that that your body's craving so it's it's interesting to to think about and sort of try to figure out what's going on there. Right. Well, it seems to be a uniquely human thing because when animals do it, I mean, there are animals that eat rocks, but they do it for ballast or there's usually a reason, right? And right. I think certain chickens, they'll eat rocks because it helps with digestion and the gizzard or something. But we humans, is it just, we humans are, we're such a complex machinery in our brain that it's just going to go off in a bunch of directions and there's not always a practical reason behind it right i mean we don't want to what's the word stigmatize people who have illnesses and and disorders but it's probably safe to say it's it's not a healthy thing to eat non-food items so right yeah right well a lot of these disorders what happens is they end up with with bowel blockages, oh, right? Yeah. So, so um, you know, even the hair, I know that reading about how that's often when it's discovered, 
when all of a sudden just the hair is just built up in the small intestine because it's not broken down in the stomach it just continues to go through and and now it's this this blockage and it causes all sorts of of hor horrible side effects there um and i obviously would things like rocks which are definitely not you know they're definitely mm -hmm. going to be blocking things so yeah yeah um it's interesting i mean i, I even think about i don't have children of my own but you know i i have friends that have kids where you know the kids swallowed various things and there's always <laughs> these these warnings like don't you know don't leave this around a child under the age of two and then you wonder is it is it that they just want to put it in their mouth and it accidentally goes down their throat or is it like a no i'm going to eat this and why and why right. is that that's, um, that's a good point right yeah so that is currently it happens all the time in little kids and sometimes it's colorful things certainly colorful things but i mean a gi joe arm is not doesn't look like food so yeah what <laughs> right. is going on with there so yeah maybe maybe there is something deeper that we haven't figured out yet science hasn't figured out yet but i think of the rock biter from the never ending story maybe that's uh -huh. what kicked it all off i don't yeah. know because it does look good like just for folks who don't know the never ending story but there's this great big creature and it literally just eats rocks and they look kind of palatable like it would go around and be like oh there's some fine quartz over here but uh yeah the, the bowel blockages maybe i can come have you come back and we could talk another time about bowel blockages for the whole <laughs> episode but we should probably wrap it up here but before we yeah. go it's been great to have you but what are you working on now and where can people find your work oh my goodness um well i have a couple of short stories uh that i'm working on for different anthologies that are dropping everywhere from fall all the way to, to next spring that i'm really excited about working on i but uh, like cable for three comes out in in two weeks and on june 2nd and but all and my short story collection um from dead sky is coming out in october and all of those links all that information uh, people can find me on rolandbooks.com just r-o-w-l-a-n-d books.com so all of my stuff is there i'm also going to be at a few conventions here and there. I'll be at the Texas AuthorCon in July. I'll be at TerrorCon and the Connecticut Horror Fest in September. So um, certainly if you're in the area, come by and you know, say hello. Great. Well, it's been really great to have you. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Thanks for taking a trip with me through Josh's Worst Nightmare, where I, Josh Schlossberg, survey the dark landscape of biological horror fiction presented by Denver Horror Collective. If you don't want to miss any of the great, and sometimes disturbing, weekly episodes I've got planned for you, be sure to subscribe to Josh's Worst Nightmare on a variety of podcast platforms. You can also sign up for Josh's Worst Nightmare e-newsletter at joshsworstnightmare.com, where I share a whole squirming mess of bio-horror, including my infamous haiku horror reviews and my latest dark scribblings. Speaking of which, if you haven't already picked up a copy of my cosmic biological folk horror novella, Moline, from D&T Publishing, you can find a copy of the paperback, hardcover, or ebook at Amazon, 
godless.com or joshesworstnightmare.com. Yours darkly, Josh Schlossberg.